Hello everyone, it's your friend, your sister here, Jocelyn Jones, with another episode of Faith on the Journey. And as always, I'm glad that you decided to tune in. And if it's your first time listening or even hearing about Faith on the Journey, I want you to know that we're here for you. We are a platform committed to helping you to love life and embrace your journey by providing you with resources and stories to help you to understand that your pain from your past or current situation does not have to hinder you from experiencing the promises of God. Each episode of this podcast, we center our conversation around a particular subject. And for today's episode, we're going to be discussing the very difficult topic that is often not talked about, and that's the subject of grief and loss. This is one of those issues that can be extremely challenging to discuss. And although we know that life is short and that if we're blessed to live long enough, the reality is we're going to experience some type of loss of friends or loved ones along the way. And it's much easier to try not to think about that stuff, like just ignore the fact that grief and loss is a reality. I realize that's something that we cannot ignore. For me personally, whenever someone would experience a loss of a friend or a loved one who I knew, I would always try to find the right words to say, and I would struggle. In some instances, I would quickly default to some church cliche like, well, they're in a better place now, or time heals all wounds, not realizing that my well-intentioned words were often doing more harm than good. Because even though we do want to believe that their loved one is in heaven now, it doesn't take away the pain or the fact that that person who's grieving wants nothing more than to have their loved one here with them right now and the whole time heals all wounds stuff well mm, not so much yes as time goes on you might learn how to to move forward in those emotions the the sting might not be as harsh but just because a lot of time has passed it might be 10 15 years you still might feel that pain of losing a spouse or losing a parent or losing a child. I mean, tell me, when does a mother or a father who lost their child to gun violence all of a sudden just say, I don't feel that anymore. I'm over it. In those instances, we can't just expect for them to get over it. They will forever miss their child, and they're not just going to be able to move on from that pain. But one thing that we do need them to be able to do is to be able to still move forward. And I'm going to talk about how we move forward in more detail in just a little bit. But I recently listened to a TED Talk by a woman named Nora McCurney. Excuse me for mispronouncing her name. And she talks about how she lost her husband, she had a miscarriage, and she lost her father all within the short span of two months. I mean, man, that's some serious grief that she was dealing with right there. And I appreciate how real she was because she talked about how individuals who were around her at that time, they they didn't know what to say to her, and they often struggled with being supportive because they didn't even want to bring up what she had gone through her grief made them feel so uncomfortable so some people they would just completely avoid talking about the subject altogether 
other individuals, we're just trying to encourage her to simply move on. You know, you have to move on from this. And Nora, she was like, wait a minute. This is something that you just don't move on from. She said, you don't move on from grief. You move forward. And I really appreciate that because I think that frees some people up out there who are struggling with grief because I'm pretty sure people might have said, well, it's time for you to move on. Uh, Not necessarily. This is one of those things where when you are dealing with the loss of someone who you love deeply, it's a sibling, it's a parent, it's a, a spouse, you don't just move on from that. But if you're still breathing here on earth, it's for a reason. And we cannot allow ourselves to remain paralyzed by the feelings of grief. It's going to require us to tap into a strength that's greater than ourselves to help us to be able to move forward. And that strength, let's just be real, that strength only comes by the grace of God. God will meet us at the source of our pain and help us during those moments where we feel at our lowest to find hope and meaning for our lives beyond that loss. And so the guest for today's show proves that to be true. She is someone who has experienced the tragic loss of losing a sibling. And simply put, she was devastated by that loss. However, her faith in God and a commitment to live her life in such a way that honors the legacy of her sister is what helped her to be able to move forward. So stay tuned, and when we come back, our special guest will be with me on the show. I'll never forgive you for what you did to me. I feel so dirty. I just don't know who I am anymore. I can't believe I'll never see him again. I've got to be strong for my family. I can't let him see me cry. What happens in this house stays in this house. I can't take this anymore. I feel like I'm living my entire life behind a mask. The mask is the keeper of secrets and master of illusions. It despises authenticity fears transparency, and knows no vulnerability. The mask will stop at nothing to keep its image intact and emotions at bay. In its simplest form, the mask is the facade we project to the world. But what is hidden in the dark will come to light. Even if we master the art of wearing the mask, the pain that we've buried has the power to hold us captive in the shackles of shame, anger, and despair. But there is power greater than our pain, greater than our past, and greater than what the world says about us. There is a God who can heal us from our pain and can free us from defining our values based on the world's standards. There is hope, and you can embark on your journey towards freedom by reading the book, Breaking the Power of the Mask, by author and motivational speaker, Jocelyn Jones. Discover the joy and healing that rightfully belongs to you. No more shame, no more fear, and no more hiding behind the mask. I'm breaking the power. I'm breaking the power. I'm breaking the power of the mask. Get your copy today by visiting breakingthemask.com.
Welcome back, everyone, and thank you for joining us for this episode of Faith on the Journey. We are welcoming to the show this awesome woman of God named Lauren Dew. I had the opportunity to meet Lauren at a Kai event this summer at Alpha Street Church in Virginia. And immediately when I saw Lauren, she greeted me with such a warm smile. She made me feel welcome, and it was evident that she loved God, and she just really loved people. But during our conversation, Lauren began to share with me her story of losing her beloved sister, Kristen, to congestive heart failure back in 2012. And she also shared with me the struggles of moving forward in the midst of her loss. As difficult as her loss has been, Lauren has gone on to do some amazing things in honor of her sister's life. And I was so moved by her story that I actually wrote about it in chapter five of my book entitled Breaking the Power of the Mask. And I thought it would be a great idea to bring her on as a guest for today's episode. So, Lauren, we welcome you to the show. We're truly honored to have you here with us today. Let's learn a little bit about your story. Well, hi, Jocelyn. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to speak with you today. Um, I started my journey. I'm actually a preacher's kid, so I've been in church all my life. I grew up in church. I went to Catholic school a little bit when I was um, in elementary school and then transitioned to public school where we I was baptized in a Baptist church. So I grew up going to church every Sunday, Sunday school, Girl Scouts, National Baptist Congress, doing all the things that church kids do. And my walk with God really wasn't challenged until I lost my sister in 2012. That really put a spin on things for me. I, um, you know, it was just very difficult thing to lose this person that shared the same bedroom with you, that shared the same parents with you. She used to come into my house all the time because her and my daughter were super close. My baby um, brought us together, I would say. Because, you know, as siblings, we definitely had our disagreements and we fought and stuff like that growing up. But when I had my daughter, I mean, we just became inseparable. Like, there was nothing that we didn't do together. She was always at my house bringing my daughter stuff. And so losing her, especially when we thought she was going to be okay, it really rocked things for me. And I was mad at God. And it was like, I wasn't to the point where I didn't believe because I had been a Christian and been in church long enough to know that God has done plenty of other things in my life where I knew he was real. But I just couldn't fathom like how this could happen, how he could take her from me, especially on the day we thought she'd be going home, on the day that we thought, you know, she had been doing better and we thought that she was going to be okay. And then she was gone, literally, in 48 hours, she was gone. And so that changed things for me, you know. I just, I was really upset and it was like, I don't want to sit here and I don't want to listen to church because I was angry. I was very upset. And I think he knows, you know, I mean, I think he expects that when something such a tragedy happens, I think he knows exactly how we're going to react and he expects that from us. But that's why he's such a graceful and merciful God because he's forgiving and he knows she'll come around when time comes, but at this moment, let her be mad. (laughs) So, you know, I think that, it's okay if you're upset in the beginning. You have to process these different steps of grief and process how you're feeling because you won't always feel that way. I'm not angry at God anymore. I can honestly say that with confidence. Like, I don't, I'm not mad at God anymore. I don't feel like he did it to hurt me, you know? But back then it was like all the bad people in the world and you chose my sister, like, (laughs) really, (laughs) you know? And so I think that's just a, you know, a normal initial reaction. I don't think that God is going to quote unquote care if we're mad. Cause I know he, he knows it's coming and he knows we'll get past that stage. 
But, I mean, I think it's completely normal. And if it's not, then I guess we have to ask forgiveness because I'm sure that many of us go through it because I definitely did. And I was very upset. Like, like I say, I did not believe because I've, you know, I've just, I've been through enough in my life that I've, you know, seen God move and seen him work miracles, which is another reason I feel like I was mad because I've seen you work miracles before in my life and other people's lives. So it was like, if anybody could save her, you could have, you just didn't. And so it took me a while to figure out that maybe that was never a part of the plan. You know, maybe she was never supposed to be saved during the time that she was sick. A song called after this came out and we actually sung that at her funeral. And my girlfriend, Shauna sent it to me when it first came out and she was like, there will be glory after this. And, you know, I used to play it for Kristen at her bedside all the time. I can remember sitting in the courtyard with my mom as I played the song for her, like, mommy, there's going to be glory after this. But the thing that we did not consider at the time was her after this might not be on this side. And that was, I think, the hard part. God got me to it. When she first, when Kristen was first diagnosed with congestive heart failure, I immediately thought she was going to die. They said heart failure. So it was like, why would I think anything different? And over time, my faith, you know, God and my faith, I believed, like, no, he's going to heal her. She's going to be okay. I read about it and found out that you can live with it. And, you know, things like that. So I just thought she was going to be okay. And I think part of me believes, anyway, that God needed me to trust him. This was part of my journey in my faith because literally the faith on my journey because I needed to trust him. I needed to believe that she could be healed and she could be okay before he took her from me. Because otherwise, I mean, maybe it would have all been in vain. Like, it would have just been, been the exact opposite on my faith. But going through the process, once, so after she passed away, my mom ended up telling me that Kristen told her she was going to go see my grandma, that she, Granny had a space for her, and that she was going to be with Granny, and she was going to be with Granny. My mom never told me that initially because she couldn't accept it. She couldn't hear about her daughter dying and going to heaven with her mom, so she never even mentioned it again to me. But when she told me that afterwards, it was like, you know, that was always the plan. She was always going to die. But we needed to believe that she was going to be okay and to know that God could, but that just, it, that wasn't the plan. That just, that wasn't a part of the plan. But in her death, I mean, it brought new life. I had, my son came out of that. And I say out of that because my son, like, if there's not a person in my family that doesn't think that my son is like my sister reincarnated. I mean, when she, when he was born, you know, they say when babies are laughing that the angels are talking to them and making them laugh. And he would laugh. And my husband, Colin, would say, is that auntie making you laugh? And he would just laugh even harder. I mean, he's left-handed like her. He's brilliant like her. He has love for science and technology like her. He's meticulous like her. I mean, there are so many things he says and does. They remind you of Kristen. And he even goes to her picture. He would go to her picture and say, auntie, you know, before he was old enough really to have been introduced to her. So... I mean, he actually told my husband, I think it was my husband, he told somebody, my mom or my husband, that he knew her. He said that he met her in heaven when he was with God. And I mean, he's only six right now, and this was a couple years ago, so I honestly don't believe that he's old enough to have just made that up to, 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 calm, to kind of calm some type of emotional, you know, distress that we may have had. I don't think that he made it up. I think that he really, at some point in that transition between her leaving and him coming, 
I think that he crossed paths with her because he really he says he knew her, and I just I honestly believe that. And I mean, it's 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 mind blowing the similarities that they have. Like the like he's like a little version of her in some in so many ways. And so, I mean, it's just crazy to think that, but it's it's very true. And so, outside of you know Chandler. I started running and getting healthy and helped my weight loss journey and just you know, be, becoming a better and healthier person for my family and for my kids. And so that happened. And I mean, it brought our family closer together, obviously, such a horrible loss. So, I mean, while there were many horrible things that came out of it, you know, just because she's gone, it really did a lot of different things for our family. Like, she definitely didn't die in vain. She had purpose. Her death created the legacy of Love Chris, hashtag Love Chris is the movement I started just to bring awareness to heart disease. Heart disease kills more black women than all the cancers combined, but nobody's ever tested or thinks about it until somebody has a heart attack or until someone dies. And it's really killing people every day, especially in the African-American community. And no one thinks about it until it directly affects them. So if my 27-year-old sister can pass away, then certainly other people need to be more mindful. Like, let's not put so much salt on our food. Let's not be so stationary. Let's get up and be more active and watch what we're eating and exercise more and go to the doctor. You know, these are all just different things that people neglect and they think they're okay. There's no symptoms that make them think that they're sick or would possibly have heart disease, of all things. And then it kind of comes out of nowhere and takes your loved ones. Wow. So let's talk about that a little bit more on what you're doing with Love Chris. So Love Chris is a hashtag I created. As I said, she died in 2012. And back then, you know, social media had really picked up. And so hashtags were a thing. And so every time I posted a picture, I would hashtag Love Chris because I love Chris. I love my sister. She was one of my best friends and she was my maid of honor at my wedding. She was awesome like I said we used to fight and that's the funniest part to me because we used to fight but when Chloe came along it's like the whole world changed for her it's almost like Chloe was a daughter she knew she'd never have so she just became to love and adore Chloe but in that um when she passed away the love Chris I started with the heart walk and the heart walk was like recently after she passed away so that was just the first thing I could think of to do because I just felt like I needed to do something to raise awareness to keep her memory alive at the time, it was like, you know, I can't do anything. I don't have any money. <laughs> I can't do anything, you know, build a statue. But what can I do? And so the heart walk was the first thing I did. And I did several of the heart walks. I did Baltimore and D.C. for a couple years. And then something inside me was like, I need to do more. And my mom, who is or was an avid runner in college, she um has MS. And on most days, she can't feel the left side of her body. So she always encouraged me to run. And I was on the track team in high school, but I was heavier, so I didn't really do a whole lot. I was even heavier when Kristen passed away, but I've since lost 100 pounds. I just started running and working out and doing keto and things like that. But I started to do half marathons. And the first half half marathon that I did was the Washington, D.C. Rock and Roll Half, and that was 2015. And since then, I've done D.C. every year. I've done Philly. I've done New York. I am doing, um, actually, the Las Vegas half marathon. I'll be six months pregnant doing that race in about three weeks. <laughs> so that's a little bit nerve-wracking because I just did the September Philly half um, three weeks ago. And 
that was successful. So I'm on my, this Vegas race will be my ninth half marathon. And my goal is to do 27 at minimum in memory of the 27 years that Kristen was on this earth. Wow. And what, what has this done for you in your process of grief in terms of love, Chris, and running these marathons and helping other people? How has that helped you to move forward? I really think it helps because Love Chris is more than even just my races. On National Wear Red Day, I always have people wear red for Kristen. And I ask anyone who does it to please hashtag Love Chris. And they tag me on social media. People get their officers involved. Or sometimes, you know, officers are already involved in National Wear Red Day, but they don't know my sister. But people who hear the story are like, oh, I'll do it. And they take the pictures and they hashtag Love Chris. And it really just helps you remember, like, I'm not the only one. I'm not the only one thinking of her today. I'm not the only one missing her. I'm not the only one who cares enough to maybe pull out a piece of red just to honor her memory, but to also spread awareness about how much heart disease is really hurting the community. But Love Chris really just helps me keep her memory alive. When I post the pictures, when people post and will hashtag for me, like it really is it's such a small gesture, but makes a huge difference because the reality is sometimes when you lose a loved one, after the funeral, when the body's in the ground, that's it. People go on with their lives, and you're left to grieve while everyone else has continued to do whatever it is that they were doing. And people don't think about that side of it. Someone first dies, you have everything. You know, they, they provide food, they bring money, they sit with you, they want to come visit you. And the moment the body hits the dirt, it goes silent. You know, they may check on you every once in a while, but most people get on with their lives, and you're left to grieve and that silence is deadly that silence is when you start to realize she's really gone there's there's nothing else happening no one else is coming like it's over and that silence can be why you can't sleep at night why you feel so depressed how you fall into depression because that silence is just horrible and i can remember like staying awake you know or trying to stay awake for days at a time my husband would have to tell me like babe you gotta go to bed because going to sleep was hard because that silence is it's just it's really difficult. And so Love Chris allowed me to keep that legacy, to keep that movement going. She was an environmental engineer. So whether I'm talking about recycling or exercising or heart disease or Chloe or something awesome Chloe or the kids did, or just posting a picture and saying I miss her, somebody else will comment, you know, oh Kristen this or Kristen that, or they maybe post a picture of their own and hashtag love Chris. And people don't realize it maybe when they're doing it. But when people wear red on National Wear Red Day and they hashtag Love Chris, that does something for me that money can't buy because it reminds me that somebody still cares. You know, somebody remembers my sister. I'm not the only one that remembers my sister. And sometimes it's really hard because, you know, she died at 27. Like I said, we shared a room when we were children. And some days it seems surreal. Like, how was it that she was here one day and gone the next, you know? It's like, this can't be real. It's not possible that she was here and now she's gone. Like, she must be a figment of my imagination. So Love Christians helps me keep that reality. Like, nope, she was here. And I may not get another new picture with her. I may not get to see her again or hear her call me Schmore, which was a thing that us and um, two of our cousins had. We used to call each other, like, hey, Chris, hey, Schmore. It was, you know, just I don't get that love from her anymore. But my daughter, my son... And the movement, like, they really just helped me to, to keep that going. Just, 
I keep running these races and hashtagging love Chris. And even if it's, you know, just those 13.1 miles that I'm, you know, running for her memory, it's, you know, it's a, in this moment, the best I can do. Man, and it's doing so much to help so many people. And I'm telling you right now, I know our listeners are being encouraged by you sharing your story because, I mean, the weight that grief can put on someone and how it could just be paralyzing. Um, only those who've gone through it can understand. But seeing how you've been able to move forward and help other people, even during the process of your grief, is an inspiration, Lauren. And I want you to know that. Now, thank you for that. And I, I want to ask you if if you can also just speak to how faith in your faith community at Alpha Street Church played a major role in helping you to be able to move forward. Absolutely. Started going to Kaya. And matter of fact, it was in 2012, and it was right before Kristen died, actually, or it might have been like the month that she died, but it was, I started going to, no, I think I did start going, like, yeah, in April, in like March or April, I started going to Kaya, and Kaya is our Come As You Are service, because I am a member now at Alpha Street, and Kaya is just a real and relevant word that young people can relate to, like Pastor Wesley, Howard John Wesley, the pastor at Alpha Street, he just kind of delves into any and everything that young people could be dealing with. No, no, you know, straight, no chaser, no padding it, no sugarcoating it, just real and relevant God-based teaching that helps you kind of get through, you know. They talk about everything that you can think of. And so I started going to Kaya, and when Kristen died, that was all I could do. I visited a couple churches in the area I could count on one hand how many times I attended service, though, during those four years because, I, like I said, I was mad at God, didn't want to go to church. But Kaya was good because it was once a month. It was a Bible study. You know, it was to the point. So it wasn't a long, drawn-out service. And it kind of, I guess, carried me over those four years because I just I didn't want to go. I visited my old church a few times. You know, my husband, he's a deacon. He would have to sing in church or something, so I would go and try and support I just didn't want to be there. It brought back too many memories because she was a member there. And I visited another church that um, was a contender when I was trying to figure out where I was going to join. But I just, you know, you just, I didn't, like I said, I was angry. I didn't want to go to church. And it was like, I felt like I needed God. and He was the only one to get me through it. But I didn't know how to maybe transition in that place because it was like, well, I'm mad at you, but ain't nobody going to get me through this grief but you. And so going to Kaya for four years, one Saturday, and I remember like it was yesterday because it was crazy to me. I'm never the person to say, God told me this or God said to tell you, like, I'm just, I'm not that, that's not, the, I'm not that person. I take that very seriously. But when I tell you God told me that day to go to church, that Saturday, I went to Alpha Street with the intention on joining. Something was like, it's time. And when I got to church, Pastor Wesley wasn't even preaching. And so part of me was like, you know, well, I don't know if I want to do it now. You know, I just wasn't sure if I wanted to stay because I had been so used to him teaching Kaya. But when I got to church, Reverend Dr. Faye Gunn, she preached on God's GPS. And it was God's, protected, God's protection over you. And it was just like, this was meant for me. And that GPS, the God's GPS, led me to join that day. And that Saturday in April... In, of 2016, I actually ended up joining Alpha Street, and I had never attended a Sunday service. I had never been to church. I had only been to Kaya for four years, but I knew that that was where I belonged. And 
during that time when I was just visiting Kaya, I said, I, you know, I wanted to try and start to volunteer. And so in 2016, I joined the church and I started volunteering with Kaya and eventually became a part of the Kaya leadership team because Kaya really almost kind of saved my life. Like it saved my faith because I just, I was so mad at God and I don't know what I would have done if maybe I hadn't been going to Kaya, getting some word from somewhere to help me stay, you know, grounded because I was just, I was hurting in a deep place. And, you know, the cycle of life, we know we'll bury our parents, our grandparents, our aunts, and some uncles and cousins and, you know, things like that. But it's not God's natural order when you bury your sibling or when a mother has to bury her child. And so a pain like that, the hardest part, I think, sometimes about her death is when people say, I know how you feel. You absolutely have no idea how I feel if you have not buried a sibling. And... A friend of mine at the time, she said, oh, my grandma just died. I totally get how you feel. And it, and it almost brought up rage in me because it was like, your grandmother is not my sister. Like, your grandmother is supposed to die before you. Like, that's how this goes. My sister is younger than me. If anything, she should have buried me. Like, this should not have been the way that it was supposed to happen. And so even that just was hurtful almost just because it's like, you really don't understand this kind of pain. You cannot imagine my mom even, she lost her brother after I lost my sister. And I had to explain to my, my aunts and my mom, like, you had your brother for 50-something years. That is amazing and a blessing. I didn't get that. And while it's hard, 27 is still, it's so young. It just, I feel like I was robbed. And so you it's, it's, people just really have no idea. If you've never lost a sibling, that pain is unexplainable. I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. And the crazier part is, since Kristen has died, I literally have at least nine other friends that have lost siblings. And one of my friends, she asked me one day when her brother passed away, and she asked me, she was like, Nick, I don't know how you do it. Nikki is a nickname that my friends from school used to call me. She was like, Nick, I don't know how you do it. She was like, I can't, I can't do this. Like, you know, it's just so hard. And I was like, you know, I didn't realize it, obviously, at the time, but now here we are seven years later. I said, somebody had to be first. And God used me because he knew that he was going to do something that would make me get to a point where I could be there for my friends because they were going to go through the same thing. And maybe one of them wasn't able to be the martyr or the person who was going to be the strong one for the friends or whatever the case was. But several different people in my life have lost siblings. I mean, my age, you know, not just adult, not just my mom and my aunts, but I mean, these are all young people under 30 years old or under 35 years old. They're, you know, losing siblings at a young, young age. And so I almost feel like I have a purpose in this. Like I have to be okay and I have to to keep moving forward and, and learn how to get through this because some days are absolutely hard. This is not by any means over. I'm not better. I'm not healed, but I'm growing and I'm trying. I think that's the best that I can do, but it allows me to be able to be there. You know, when these other, my line sister, one of my sorors from school, um, from my old school, like, I mean, people are losing their siblings and somebody, when you have somebody who understands, that just can provide some type of relief or some type of balance or just, it just does something for you, like, you just, you get my pain. Like when everybody else around you wants to say, I get it and I understand, you really have someone who understands. And I think that for some people, at least for the, the people I've been able to be there for, it absolutely is necessary. And so 
I just, somebody had to be first. And I don't know why God chose me. I certainly don't think there's anything special about me to make him choose me, but he did. And now that's my, that's my goal now. Like I, I try and be there for my friends who are going through the same thing and keep her memory alive. I try and encourage my children to be healthy, but also be good to each other because you never know what's going to happen. And her death has just brought new life in so many different ways. Just trying to make everybody a better person. Wow. Wow. Well, Lauren, I have two final questions for you before I let you go. I I wanted to ask you for those people who want to be there to support a loved one who has lost a sibling, lost a parent, lost someone, and they're grieving right now. What are ways in which someone can support someone they love during a time of grief? I would say be there. Be there and be patient with them. You can't always explain why you're crying. To this day, and we're seven years in, a song could come on the radio and make me cry. And my husband might be the only person who who knows that song. That's probably something that has to do with Kristen. But sometimes you just need people to be patient with you. You know, a song can make you cry. An old childhood movie could come on, which reminds me of my childhood, which could make me cry. If you're around someone who is grieving a loved one, be there for them. They can't always explain how they feel. There won't always be the words. But sometimes you just need to know that somebody is there. Allow them the space they need if they say they need space. But being there is so much more powerful. Sometimes you just don't want to be alone. You want the company. You want to know that silence is not going to drive you completely crazy. You want to know that somebody else is loving and missing that person too. And even if you didn't even know the person, you know, like you can help keep their memory alive. Maybe it's if the person died from a cancer, maybe you can do a walk or have a fundraiser or do a balloon release. or And, you know, everybody doesn't want that. Everybody's not that person. You know, a friend of mine, she did the hard walk with me one year, and she said, you know, I lost somebody to cancer, and I ain't never even done a cancer walk, but I'm here walking with you for your sister because she loved me that much. And, you know, sometimes you just need somebody to love you that much that maybe you'll do something in somebody's memory. We just did a prostate cancer walk in memory of Pastor Wesley's father as a gift to him because we love him. And, you know, it's, it maybe wasn't much, but we raised $1,200 and we were able to raise awareness. And that made Pastor very happy because it showed him they're still thinking of me. They're still thinking of my father and his legacy and his life. And so when people wear red on wear red day, that reminds me they're still thinking of Kristen. So the best advice I could say is if someone is grieving a loss, especially the loss like a sibling or something, you know, unexpected, because, you know, sometimes it's easier to accept death when we know that it's coming. But when it's unexpected or the exact opposite outcome that you expected, it hurts even more because like a slap in the face. And just being there and loving that person, hugging them, maybe helping them keep busy. But don't keep telling them it's going to be okay. Don't keep telling them you understand if you don't. Just be there. Sometimes being there is enough. Sometimes it's not what you say. It's the simple fact that your presence is felt. You don't have to say anything sometimes. You just have to just be there. Mm, that's a good word, Lauren. That's a good word. And if there is someone listening right now who is struggling with grief, what would be your final words to them? God can and he will. The only person who can get you through a pain like the pain that I felt 
like somebody stuck a knife in my heart and twisted it around and danced on it and pulled it out and put it back in again. Nobody can help you get through that type of pain but God. And whether it's church or Bible study or support from a loved one, please, please, please find a way to drag yourself to that place. Because if you can just get to the place, it's like the woman at the, you know, who wanted to touch Jesus. You wanted the hem of his garment. If you can just get to him, the rest can happen. You know, if you don't have a church, maybe find a church home. If you don't have a church home and you don't want to find a church home, turn on Alpha Street on YouTube. Pastor Wesley has messages on grief. He's talked about grief at Kaya, the Kaya actually where I met you. You know, Pastor Wesley is a powerful orator, so he's able to speak to a lot of different things. And I'm just saying that because I love my church, and I mean, and, and it's true. I'm sure there are plenty of other churches you could tune into. If you don't want to go to church, then tune into church. But find God however you have to find him, because he's the only person that can help bring that peace, restore that peace. Like, I couldn't sleep. I couldn't eat. It was a lot going on, and... Only God can can get you from that dark, dark place where you just want to die. Because I felt like that. I didn't understand. And I even told the doctor back then, give her my heart. You know, I have a life. I'm older than her. I've had a kid already. Let her have my heart so she can have the life that, you know, part of what, you know, I felt like maybe that I had that she wasn't going to experience. But they wouldn't do it. So sometimes you have to just find God because only God can give you that type of peace and literally passes all understanding. Like, there's nobody but God. No person could say anything to me that could help make it feel better than my sister was dead. Only God giving peace, showing me a purpose, showing me a plan or what else is next to do can make sense of these type of things because it's, it's really hard. But he can and he will. And Lauren, we will end on that note. We thank you. We thank God for you for sharing your story and your testimony. Because I know someone out there who is listening has been encouraged by it. And that's what we're about here at Faith on the Journey. If this is your first time listening, we want to make sure that you get encouragement in your inbox every Friday for our Faith Friday Preachers by subscribing at faithonthejourney.org. Again, that's faithonthejourney.org. .org. So please stay tuned. Please be sure to subscribe and check us out next Friday for our next episode of Faith on the Journey. Be blessed everyone and continue to keep the faith.